It's Sunday morning. Time for the Great Outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio on the 4th of July weekend. Certainly a different 4th of July weekend than we've had, well, since 2020. So for the last two years previous to this, one of the things that's going on, though, as we all know, is the impact of energy prices on travel. And in this case, travel to resorts and lodges uh, up in Canada in particular. I'll come to that in a moment. But first of all, happy 4th of July. I hope you're with your family, and I hope you have the chance to be in the great outdoors at some point this weekend. I'm going to start off with one of the most incredible headlines I have ever read. It's, it's, it's almost unbelievable. Quote, unquote, elephant isn't a person, court rules. I'm serious. That is the headline that ran. The New York Supreme Court ruled under the Havis. Um, New York Supreme Court ruled, excuse me, under the Havis Corpus law that Happy the Elephant is not a person. I cannot believe, and, and I'm sure many of you listening are, are shaking your heads the way I am, and I'm being, this time I'm not being facetious. Do we really have to spend taxpayers' money? In this case, it wasn't ours, state of New York's, thankfully. But do we really have to spend taxpayers' money deciding whether or not an elephant has the same as a human? So I'm just going to read you snippets from this ruling. The court voted 5-2 to two to turn down an animal advocacy organization's request that happy, quote-unquote, be recognized as a legal person and released, quote-unquote, from unlawful imprisonment at the Bronx Zoo, where she's lived since 1977. First of all, who are the two judges on the New York Supreme Court who think that happy the elephant is a human being, should be recognized as a legal person? I sure hope that when they come up for your re-election, the residents of the state of New York say, we don't need two people on our Supreme Court who think that an elephant is actually a person. So they had uh, sued under habeas corpus saying that the elephant should be safeguarded against unlawful imprisonment and that they intended to protect the liberty right of human beings. Well, elephants aren't humans. And this this absurd notion, whether it be we had Cecil the lion a number of years ago, we, we don't name in Africa's case wild lions like they're people. Uh, this all started a long time ago with Donald Duck and Bambi and Disney, and they humanized animals. I can't stay in the strongest words. Animals are not humans. And they do not have the same rights as humans. And they can't. Our entire culture would break down if we awarded animals the same rights as humans. 
But one of the dissenting judges, Judge Rowan Wilson, remember that name, said the court should grant habeas corpi for Happy the Elephant, not just because she is a wild animal who is not meant to be caged and displayed, but because the rights we confer on others define who we are as a society. Uh, animals, um, from at least where I come from, animals don't have rights. Humans have rights. There's a food chain that has been established since the beginning of time, and we are at the top of that food chain. For a Supreme Court judge in New York, and some of you may send me an email saying you're, you're, you're nuts, we should confer the same rights on animals that humans have, um, Please go ahead and send it. I couldn't disagree with you more strongly. And I sure believe that most of you listening this morning do not think an elephant is a human. Don't think a lion is a human. Don't think a duck is a human. Don't think that a pig or cow or any animal is a human or that should have the same rights or that a raven is a human. This is, this is insanity. But unfortunately, as we have become a culture that is ever more removed from nature, we have more and more individuals who have no concept of how nature is, how it exists. Now, I've said for years on this show, and I've written about it, nature is really cruel. And if you watch, as I have throughout my lifetime, and many of you have, if you watch nature at work, you would know that nature is not compassionate. A few weeks ago, I described a raven raiding a magpie nest, taking all the eggs. Well, magpies are one of the largest predators on other nesting birds. And on down the food chain, the smaller you are, the more trouble you have with animals up the wild kingdom food chain. So do we want to confer rights to magpies that ravens shouldn't eat their eggs? Um, there's been discussion for years about animals, wild animals being kept in zoos. I, I don't think this is a discussion about that. We want animals in captivity to be treated as well as is possible so that animals in the wild can be saved. Animals in zoos have educated tens of millions of people about animals in the wild. The reason we have zoos is so that animals in the wild can live, so that humans can understand what animals in the wild need to live. And if you could never see an elephant in a zoo, you would not understand the enormity of that, of that animal. And yes, it is majestic, but it is not human. And in the, in the wild, if an elephant should be sick or weak, it doesn't take very long for it to be taken down by lions, leopards, eaten by hyenas. I've had the good fortune of going to Africa several times. And I have seen what happens, how, how a lion will take down a zebra, a gazelle, how a lion will, will prey on, on any weak animal. Same with cheetahs, same with leopards. So to move on from this, it does strike me that we really as a society need to reaffirm that animals are not humans, they don't have the rights of humans, and that nature, as much as we might not want to say this, the fact is 
Nature has a pecking order, and nature is superbly cruel. And whoever is weak or sick in nature gets eaten. That's the way it works. So as we move on to the 4th of July, let's talk about some celebrations. But before, as we do, and I go to this break, I'm celebrating that the New York Supreme Court had the sanity to realize that an elephant's not a human. I'm not celebrating that two justices thought an animal should have human rights. But it does show that as a society, we have a lot of education to do if we're going to remain of the realization that humans and animals are separate and not equal. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN, and I'll be back in just a moment. But first, a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. In the field, hunters need to be alert, sense the environment around them and know exactly where they are, communicate seamlessly with their dogs. And when it comes to pickup trucks, you want the same qualities. The all-new Chevy Silverado comes with an available 4G Wi-Fi hotspot for seamless communication. It's designed to handle the toughest loads with advanced trailering technology, tough on the road and off. And the all-new design gives you more cargo space than the competition. Chevy Silverado is the most dependable, longest-lasting, full-size pickup on the road. Plus, there's never been a better time to see your local Chevy dealer about the Big Fix lease. It's an amazing lease deal that can lower your monthly payments and give you more Chevy, all for less money. That's a treasure hunt. So head to your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and see why Chevy is the number one best-selling brand in Chicagoland, now eight years running. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Thank you for being with me on this day before the, before the 4th of July and the 4th of July long weekend. I'm going to switch to a subject that, if this comes to pass, will be extremely good. Extremely good for the future of soil quality, reducing flooding, getting nitrogen out of our waterways, and being great for wildlife. And that is, it's possible that flood-prone agricultural properties could risk federal insurance exclusion. One of the biggest issues in agriculture and conservation today is that agricultural properties under the current federal crop insurance program that lay in floodplains often receive returns on insurance that exceed the returns they would ever receive if the land were not in a floodplain. Floodplain properties that flood within every five years, according to the charts of the Corps engineers, are 10 years. That means one in five or years is going to flood, have been propped up in value by a the federal crop insurance program. These are lands that should not be farmed, but they are lands that have enormous value to us as a society. And that's where I hope we can make real progress. Lands in the floodplain of the Illinois River, the Mississippi River, the Ohio River, the Missouri River, 
every river in America are more valuable to society taken out of agricultural production than they ever can be in agricultural production. Because it's these floodplain lands that, first of all, reduce flooding. If they're planted to grasses, they reduce the runoff of things like nitrogen. They also are the most important wildlife corridors that we have. Soil erosion along river bottoms is just, well, it's phenomenal. It's terrible. Have a look at the Kaskaskia River in Illinois, which is Illinois' longest river, flowing river. And the river continually floods because the river has so silted in that its carrying capacity is nowhere near what it used to be. 50 years ago. Every year it silts in more. And where's that silt coming from? Directly off agricultural lands. Farmers and landowners need to be compensated for not farming floodplain lands. We're already paying them through crop insurance. And as a landowner who has floodplain lands in Illinois, I know full well the benefits of the federal crop insurance program. Those lands would be just we ought to say those lands are the most valuable use for those lands is to be planted to grass and trees so that they can, in fact, be pluses for the environment rather than negatives for the environment. And since we're already paying in a lot of years for crops that fail on that land, we're not talking about much of an increase in compensation to farmers not to farm those lands. And if we can move forward with this, it will be a seismic shift for the benefit of society. And the reason most farmers farm those floodplain lands is because they're paying taxes on it and they're not getting compensated for not farming them. So they're going to farm them. And we have a system which now compensates them too well, compensates us too well for farming those lands. Let's just say Illinois River River Bottom floodplain most of those lands would be much better for ecological services benefits to our society if they were not being farmed in corn and soybeans. We'll see what happens on that. It's a huge issue for the future of conservation, Mississippi River, all these issues. And if we can gain traction on this, it's a big win for America overall. I do think we have a headwind in a lot of ways for conservation due to the price of commodities. And I talked several times this year on this show about how landowners are going to be less likely to leave crops standing because of the value of those crops being harvested and the cost of planting those crops with all the input costs from fertilizer, seed, fuel, diesel, a whole thing going up. Lots of landowners leave end rows, leave edges for, for of crops planted for wildlife. The value of those crops and the expense of those crops to plant them make it unlikely, unfortunately, that we are going to see as much land left for, for wildlife habitat as we have in the past. And that's one of the costs among many, many of this energy process that, that we're in. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that there was this incredible news about passing Saving America's Wildlife billion point 1.3 billion a year I had a long conversation with Carrie Luft about it um, two weeks ago 1.3 billion dollars is 
is a lot. Divided by 50 states, it whittles it down per state. I can guarantee you that Illinois is looking at every way possible to maximize that funding coming to the state of Illinois. And whenever this much money gets thrown around, the end result is some of it gets wasted. We cannot afford to waste the conservation dollars that we have. We are vastly overfunded in conservation in America. And hopefully, as this funding becomes available, it will be put to good use. There, there's some track records to say that there's going to be waste. Let's hope there's not. One of the things that conservation dollars are unexpectedly going to be spent for is Yellowstone Park. The north entrance to Yellowstone at Gardner, an area I knew I know well from the years I lived in Montana, has been destroyed. Uh, there are miles and miles of roads to be rebuilt. In fact, some of the roads are not going to be rebuilt. They're going to relocate roads. There's a basically a dirt trail that goes out of immigrant Montana up to Gardner, Montana, away from the Yellowstone River. That is going to become the main way to get to Yellowstone Park. It's, it's incredible. But that is, that is what is going to happen. We are not going to rebuild some of these roads. But once you get in the park, then there's the issue of how are you going to navigate along the Yellowstone River and all the roadways that were, were damaged. This is, this is not something that's going to be solved overnight. The park is already overcrowded, and now we are forcing the people coming to the park to use less of the park, east entrance, south entrance, west entrance, and, and a lot of the park interior roads are damaged. So it's unfortunately, after we've waited for two years to be able to go back to Yellowstone Park, what I consider one of the greatest treasures in the world, we once again find that we're not going to be able to use it the way we, we hoped we could. I'll be back next week with much more in the great outdoors. And when I do, I'll be talking to you on location as I will have spent several days sea kayaking in off the interior of Vancouver Island, as well as a couple days on the open ocean fishing on the west side of Vancouver Island, a complete wilderness experience. I'll have that report next week. Thank you so much for listening. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN.